You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. Do you know why it is possible for you and I, in fact anybody, can emerge better and stronger from any crisis? What do you think? Here is the answer, because you and everyone has the ability to choose how to respond to any crisis they face. You see, crisis leaves us with choices, right? We may not have the control over what crises come our way, but we do have the control of how we respond. And that opens up the door for us to emerge better and stronger from the crisis. But it's not any kind of responses. Uh, there is a, rather, there is a specific way that you and I have to respond, by which it will significantly determine or contribute in helping you to emerge better and stronger from the crisis. And here's the challenging part. That specific way of responding to a crisis is far from being natural or intuitive. But if you, if you embrace that, it has the ability to sustain you through the crisis and help you come out of it better, not bitter. And that is what we will discuss, we will address today as we come to an end of our series, Emerging Better and Stronger, by discussing the fourth question, which is this. How should we, how should we respond in times of crisis? In other words, how can we leverage the choice that we have in how we respond in times of crisis, such that we will emerge better and stronger from any circumstances or crisis we face? And for that, I want us to learn from a young man and his story that is recorded for us in the scriptures. He is one of those cases who went through a great deal of crisis in life. And the way he responded to crisis can teach us how we can likewise respond in times of our own crisis in such a way that will help us to emerge better and stronger. And this young man is none other than Joseph. One of the sons of Jacob uh, recorded for us in Genesis. Now you know Joseph, right? He was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. But his 10 older brothers didn't like him. In fact, they hated him so much. They hated him so much that one day, as Joseph uh, came to the field looking for his 10 brothers, they decided to get rid of him for good. Get rid of him for good. They decided to kill him. That's right. That is what the scriptures record for us. And here it is. Let me show you. Come now, the brother says, let us kill him, referring to Joseph, and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. <laughs> so they decided to kill him. But then one of the brothers suggested another alternative. And here is what he said. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Instead, come, 
let us sell him uh, to the Ishmaelites instead. You see, at least we get some money. I mean, what's the point of killing him? You know, why waste our uh, conscience or whatsoever? I don't know, right? And so that's what they did. Instead of killing him, they sold Joseph away as a slave to the Ishmaelites. And after that, the brothers went back to their father and told him that a ferocious animal attacked Joseph and killed him. And of course, that left his father Jacob completely shattered and brokenhearted. And then the scriptures tell us uh, what happened to Joseph. Here is how the scripture records for us. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him, Joseph, from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So you see, Joseph, Joseph was sold twice as a slave, right? His evil brothers sold him first to the Ishmaelites, and then the Ishmaelites sold Joseph as a slave to Potiphar in Egypt. And then what comes next is something I believe many struggle with. I believe that some of you even watching today as you hear this, as you hear what is happening in the life of Joseph and the statement that comes next, you may struggle, you may wrestle with it. And this is what? The scripture tells us, and the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> the Lord, God, was with Joseph. I mean, if God was with Joseph, then how come such evil things, which he did nothing to deserve, happened to him? If God is with me, if God is with him, if God is with us, then how come these things happen? If God is with me, then how come this thing happens? If God is with them, then how come these things happen to them? And I tell you, this is one of the reasons some people abandon their faith in God, right? In other instances, this is the reason why some people stop taking God and their relationship with Him seriously. So if you have left faith because of this struggle... If God is with me, right? If God is with me, then how come? If you have left faith because of this struggle, because of this situation that you have gone through, you may have left unnecessarily. That's right. Or if you have stopped taking God and your relationship with Him seriously because of this struggle, you may have stopped or stopping unnecessarily as well. You know why? Here is the reason why. Because if you have believed in a God that doesn't allow any bad things to happen to supposedly good people, then you have believed in a God that doesn't exist in the first place. Secondly, the truth is that some of the people who are closest to God went through some of the toughest times in the history of mankind. And if you study their lives carefully, you will see that there is no need to abandon our faith in God or get disappointed in God and stop taking Him and our relationship with Him seriously. 
but rather you will see that they emerge better and stronger, leaving behind, leaving behind their lives as a testimony or legacy that inspires everyone across all generations. And Joseph, by the way, right, is one of them. And you and I can be one of them as well. That can be your story. That can be my story. That can be our story as well. And do you know why? (laughs) Because it depends on how you choose to respond to the crisis that you face. And that's what we are about to learn from Joseph. So the story continues on to tell us that Joseph worked hard and God blessed him in every responsibility given to him, such that Potiphar was so impressed that he decided to put Joseph in charge of everything he has. And then the drama began. Look at this. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. And she said, come to bed with me. When Potiphar's wife said to Joseph, come to bed with me, she wasn't asking if Joseph was interested to have sex with her. She wasn't asking if Joseph liked to sleep with her. Rather, it was a command. We must understand that it was a command. It was not a suggestion. It was not an asking of Joseph's opinion. Potiphar's wife made a command to Joseph to come and have sex with her. So let me ask you, do you know the position that Joseph is in right now? You know why? Because, you see, if Joseph takes in the order by Potiphar's wife, he'll be in trouble with Potiphar, right? And if he doesn't, then he'll be in trouble with who? With Potiphar's wife. In other words, if he commits this sin, he'll be punished. And if he doesn't, he'll be punished as well. Either way, he is going to get in trouble equally bad. And here is where we see how Joseph responds in times of crisis. And as you would see later that his response is far from being natural, is far from being intuitive. So how did Joseph respond? This is how or this is what the scripture tells us. It says, but he refused. (laughs) Joseph refused. Joseph refused the command. With me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except what? Except you. Because you are his wife. You are his wife. And then once again, Joseph made a statement that 
that, that, that makes us wonder how could a person that goes through crisis after crisis could still say such a thing? <laughs> and this is what he said. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sinned against God? How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin what? And sin against God. Even when God seems to care less about his circumstance, Joseph cared so much about what God cared. How was that even possible for Joseph to think and respond in that way? How? To find that out, let's continue with the story. Potiphar's wife kept insisting, right? Potiphar's wife kept insisting Joseph to sleep with her. And Joseph kept refusing, refusing day after day. And then one day, when Joseph was on duty as usual, but then there were no servants at home. They were alone. Potiphar's wife and Joseph. And then what happened is that Potiphar's wife grabbed Joseph's coat and forced him to lie down, to lie with her. And this time, well, Joseph had no choice. Joseph had no choice but to let go of his coat and run quickly and run as fast as possible, run away quickly, run, quickly run away from her and from the house. And of course, Potiphar's wife, she was so furious that she lied to Potiphar and told him that Joseph tried to rape her when there were no servants around. And she showed Joseph's coat, remember? Joseph left the coat as evidence to Potiphar. And as a result, the unthinkable, the unthinkable happened again to Joseph. Joseph was put in prison for the crime he did not commit, for the crime that he tried to avoid. And then it's as if this wasn't enough of a crisis for Joseph. He was later forgotten by someone whose very life he saved while he was in the prison. That was Joseph. Now, do you know how Joseph's profile would look like? Let me put it up for you in six simple words. And they are despised disowned, sold, seduced, jailed, and forgotten, right? Despised or hated by his own brothers for reason he is not responsible for. And disowned by his own brothers, his own flesh and blood. They don't want him to be his brother anymore. And then sold twice to foreigners as a slave into a foreign land. And when everything seems to be normal for Joseph, everything to be in good terms, uh, he seems to be doing good. Then he was sexually seduced by his own master's wife day in and day out during his work. And then he was jailed for the very crime he avoided. He was jailed for remaining faithful. And finally, while he was in prison, he was forgotten by someone whose very life he saved. 
Joseph had no choice over the crisis that came his way, right? But you see, he had the choice on how to respond to all his crises. And he chose to respond to all his crises in a way that helped him become better, not bitter. Question is, how did he do that? What helped him to respond and not react? What helped him to respond in such a way that he became better, not bitter, at, at, at the end of each crisis that he faced? And I believe this is the answer. I believe this is the answer, and that is this. Joseph knew and believed that God was there with him in every crisis he faced. Even though God's presence may not be apparent in times of crisis, but Joseph believed that God was there, that God was there and was in control of his life and his crisis. And that, I believe, impacted significantly in the way he responded. And as we see, he responded to the crisis as if what? God was just right there next to him, right? So let me highlight to you again what Joseph said earlier. Because that is the evidence of what we just said about Joseph. Alright, here it is. Do you remember this one? Joseph said, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now think with me. Joseph said, how can he do such a wicked thing? What's the wicked thing he's referring to? That's right. Having a sexual relation with his boss's wife. So what if Joseph said something like this instead? How then could I do such a wicked thing against my boss Potiphar, who trusted me with everything he has? Would that make sense? It would, wouldn't it? In fact, I mean the fact that Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything, right? It would, it would perfectly make sense for Joseph to say that if he commits that wicked thing, he will be sinning against, he will be doing against Potiphar, not God. But instead, Joseph said that if he sleeps with his boss's wife, he sins against God. How come? Why? The only explanation is again, simply this, that because Joseph believed that God was there with him in the crisis. That God was there with him in the crisis. And, and that is why Joseph said, how can I sin against God, not Potiphar? That awareness of God's presence in, 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 in times of crisis was the key determining factor for Joseph in responding to crisis in such a way that helped him to emerge better and stronger from the crisis. That is the key. And that will be the key for us as well. And you see, this is further illustrated towards the end of the story by the stunning statement that Joseph made about God's presence in the events of his life. 
And this is what he said after being reconciled with his brothers who did evil. Remember? The famous saying of Joseph that is quoted by many people. You intended to harm me. This one speaking to his brothers who did evil to him. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. But God, but God. Now, do you see? Do you see that? God is in between the harm and the good, right? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God is in between the harm and the good. In other words, in other words, Joseph is simply saying that God has been right there all along in all the events of his life, both good and bad. God was right there. God was right there all along when his brothers plotted to get rid of him. God was right there all along when Joseph was sold to these Ishmaelites. God was right there all along when Joseph was what? Put to uh, put up for sale in, in the slave market in Egypt. God was there right, right uh, God was right there all along when Joseph was sexually seduced day in and day out by Potiphar's wife. God was right there all along when Joseph was jailed, was jailed for the very crime he didn't commit, for the very crime he avoided. God was right there all along when Joseph was completely forgotten by the one whose very life he saved while he was in prison. And likewise, and likewise, God is right there for us as well. He's right in the middle of your crisis and mine. So, what if we truly believe that? Imagine, what if we truly believe that God is always right there in the middle of our crisis? What if you truly believe that, that God is right there? Will that change anything about you? And more importantly, will that, will this change or will that change anything about the way you respond in times of crisis? Will it? There is this clan in a village that has a very interesting practice. Uh, and that is this. Once a young boy reaches a certain age, they will take him into the deep forest and leave him there to survive throughout the night all by himself. And this was done to help them overcome their fears at a younger age and prepare them to become brave warriors. But interestingly, interestingly, what the boy doesn't know is that his father and some elders would be hiding behind the bushes and the trees and watch him throughout the night because they will never leave their young ones all alone in the deep forest. In other words, the young ones are left to respond to the situation by themselves, but they are never ever left alone. In the same way, in the same way, my friends, God may leave us to respond to the crisis by ourselves, 
Because that's the choice that you and I have. We are given with the ability to respond to any crisis however we want to. And we need to learn to know how to respond in times of crisis in the best way possible. And that's why it makes sense that God leaves us to decide how we will respond to crisis. And He leaves us to respond to crisis by ourselves. But here is the defining truth. Here is the determining factor on how you will respond to any crisis. And that is this. God may leave us to respond to the crisis by ourselves, but God will never leave us alone. He never leaves us alone. You and I are never, we are never, not even for a single moment, we are never out of His sight. Like the father of this boy, God is right there with us, and He watches us throughout the tough times that we go through. God never leaves us. And this is what we saw in Joseph's life as well, isn't it? God left him to respond to the crisis that he faced by himself. But God did not, not even for a single moment, left Joseph alone. In fact, the scripture tells us, right, that the Lord was with Joseph. And so, like Joseph, will you believe? Will you believe that God is there? And that He never leaves us alone. Now, this is so crucial because what you choose to believe will impact how you choose to respond. What you choose to believe will impact how you choose to respond. The truth of the matter is simply this, that everyone will choose to believe in something or someone, right? And so... What you believe will impact how you respond in times of crisis. So choose to believe what Joseph believed. Choose to believe how Joseph believed about God because that's who God is. He will never let go of us. He may allow us to face crisis, but He will never allow us to be alone. So, my dear friends, Whenever you face a crisis in life, here is something I'd like you to remind yourself. Even when God's presence isn't apparent, He is present. That's right. Even when God's presence isn't apparent, which is many, which is, I mean, most of the times, right? Even when God's presence isn't apparent, He is always present. Irrespective of how your crisis will turn out to be, if you choose to believe, if you choose to believe this, then I can assure you that it will make a significant impact, not only how you respond, but how you go through the crisis. And my friends, that's how, that's how you and I can emerge better and stronger as a person, as a family, even as a nation, 
as a followers of Christ and as human beings for the sake of one another. Let me end by reading a portion of one of my favorite songs. And it says something like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back because I know you are there, you are near. And so I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then, whom then shall I fear? Indeed, if our God is with us, then we need not fear anything or anyone. If God is with you, then you need not fear any crisis. Because irrespective of the outcome of your crisis, God can and God will help you emerge better and stronger. And I pray that will be the reality for you. And that will be the reality for me as well. Amen. And God bless.